We revisit the Celtics trade offer for Kevin Durant and what the most likely destination for him could be. And if a deal for Durant or Donovan Mitchell doesn't happen, is there a plan B for the Miami Heat? We'll break it all down on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Wednesday edition of Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or in your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. We're still talking about the Kevin Durant trade because uh, I think that's still the future for the NBA at this point. Everything's kind of on hold, and there's no reason for anything to shake out immediately. But Miami's short-term future is definitely... Uh, surrounded by doubt because the Durant trade has yet to finalize. They're, they can't make any additional moves. And so we're going to take another deep dive into what could happen with Durant and whether or not Jalen Brown is an attainable player for the Miami Heat. We'll look at another player in the Nets roster that might be an option for the Heat. But let's, uh, let's take another circling back around the Durant trade here and uh, continue to break it all down. Uh, you had some thoughts on KD and, uh, and what might happen there with the Nets. Yeah, I mean, the way we kind of keep framing this thing is, you know, at what point does something on the market happen to where it does kind of cause a Kevin Durant trade to take place? Because right now, we don't really know anything. Hmm. Nothing has really changed. Kevin Durant, according to reporting, has not backed off of his stance to want to get traded. Right. According to Brian Windhorst, this Boston offer has been weeks old. It's right. not even relatively a new thing. But And we talked about all that yesterday. But in, in, in thinking about it since then, I kind of wonder, was the report the thing that could change stuff for Brooklyn? Is that sort of, and when I say that, I mean, like, why would this report come out now? Right. And to me, I'm thinking it kind of it feels like maybe the Brooklyn Nets are able to now expand the pool of trade partners beyond Kevin Durant's initial list of preferred destinations, which was Miami and Phoenix. Now... A big part of that is probably the fact that Phoenix can no longer trade DeAndre Ayton and that Miami so far has only offered Tyler Hero contracts and, and draft picks while Brooklyn reportedly wants Bam Adebayo and Miami reportedly does not want to give them Bam Adebayo. So now Brooklyn is sitting here like, well, we don't like any of this stuff. And I, I wonder if if maybe Brooklyn's front office it feels like they could get buy-in from Kevin Durant to say, you know what, if it's Boston, could you be happy there? Could you make Boston comfortable enough for them to part with a, a really good young player in Jalen Brown to where they don't think that you're a flight risk a year or two from now anyway. And so I, I do wonder if if just the report coming out now is is basically showing us that, hey, it's not just Miami and Phoenix on, on Durant's list of preferred destinations, that maybe he's more willing to go elsewhere. Maybe it's Boston. Maybe it's somewhere else. I don't know. But if you're expanding the pool, all of a sudden Miami's chances of landing KD just get that much harder. At this point, Brooklyn is under no obligation to send Durant anywhere that he prefers to go. Like it made sense on paper uh, in terms of, you know, that the Nets or other teams, I'm sorry, that the uh, Suns and other teams that were on his wish list would have a, a nice proposed return in exchange for Durant's services. Like if you could have included... Uh, Aiton and a sign and trade and things of that sort, it would have worked out pretty well. Because again, for the Nets perspective, you're getting a nice young player, somebody you can continue to build around. And so it makes a lot of sense there. But 
they're under no obligation to send him to any team that he prefers going to. And so why not open that pool up to other teams? And one of the names that I've been hearing is the New Orleans Pelicans and their hesitancy to include uh, <laughs> the next Kevin Durant and Brandon Ingram in a possibility, uh, you know, in a possible trade there. Of course, there's always right. the Raptors. There's other teams as well. Uh, I, I don't. I don't even know exactly what we're kind of looking at here, except that well, to say that Miami's chances, as you said, are are significantly worse than they have been, and, and that's that's kind of pessimistic, but it's also realistic. I think it's also yeah. time to consider that Miami might have to look elsewhere because Mitchell seems completely off the table. If Danny Ainge is just looking for a treasure trove of draft picks that Miami doesn't have to offer, then they're out of that potential deal. And if Durant is just you know, if if, Bo if Brooklyn is looking elsewhere and they can't, if the Heat can't keep up with what the Celtics' current offer on the table is, then yes, they also have to move on and, and look elsewhere yeah. as well. Yeah, and it's not. And you're right. The Nets have no obligation to trade Kevin Durant to where Kevin Durant wants to go, nor do they have an obligation to trade Kevin Durant. Period. They, he's under contract for four years. Right. They could let this go into training camp in the regular season and and, and try to call his bluff and say, "Oh, really? You're just going to sit out a whole year?" in the middle of, you know, at the tail end of your prime after you already had to sit out a full year a couple of years ago because of the Achilles injury? All right, yeah. bet. We'll see. And uh, and so I think that could also be part of it. But, you know, I, it's not necessarily an obligation to that 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 the Nets have, but it is part of, of when you're the trade calculus here because if you're the other team and you don't feel like Kevin Durant would be happy with you, just like he wasn't happy in Oklahoma City, or he was not happy in Golden State, and he ended up not being happy in Brooklyn. Like well, he, he soured on all of those places. And so, if you're Boston, New Orleans, Toronto, Miami, name the team that's trading for Kevin Durant, you have to feel some sort of sense of security in that. You know what? Kevin now. Durant's not going to just about face a year from now and ask mm. to get traded again. It's different though. Like like the the move to Golden State was totally understandable. I know he's been criticized for it a lot, but the pressure that athletes are put under to secure a championship in order to define their legacy. Again, we're talking, we're kind of talking in these terms about Kevin Durant, a generational type player. I think a top yes. 10 player in NBA history. And everybody's kind of like, well, I mean, do you really even want to trade for Kevin Durant? Like you've got Celtics fans going, no, no, JB's our guy. We're not trading him for KD. I think that's KD. fair. What? We're doing the same thing on this show with Bam Adebayo. I mean, Bam Adebayo will never be one of the best 15 players of all time. It's just not going to happen. That's fair. And yet, Kev Kevin Durant is sitting there. We're doing the same thing. But I think it is fair when you say, okay, when you when you consider all that it takes to give up for Kevin Durant, and you don't know, A, about his injury history. He's played 90 games over the last two years. Um, do you And do you trust him? Yeah. I mean, all the situations were different. But ultimately, he found different reasons to become unhappy in those in his last three teams. Why would you trust Kevin Durant to remain happy with you? I've never and, understood and his motivation, ask, aside from his nobody decision. Nobody does. Yeah, his decision to go to Golden State is one thing. Like that, you know, you need a championship. Sure. That's the team best suited to provide that. And yet he leaves a couple of years later because, you know what, the whole experiment was done. He wants to go join, theoretically, his friend Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. And then a couple of years from now, then you realize, well, you know what, that situation wasn't as great. I didn't want this anyway. I'm, I'm unhappy here. So... I guess there are some concerns like like KD has been very hard to understand over the last few seasons of his career. Maybe he's always been difficult to understand. Like there was this impression of him as the good guy, the nice guy, you know, their adopted son over in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And then he wind up leaving them anyway and jilting them to a large extent, which is why the Thunder fans have always been so resentful of how he left 
to Golden State. But you know, I, I guess and it's if a you're a team acquiring him, yeah. it is a concern, right? Like you just you want to have some like you said, he's this unknowable, ununderstandable superstar. And if you're the team investing, literally mortgaging your entire future for this one superstar player because you think he opens up a championship window for you, that's fair. But I also think you want to know what you're getting in that. And and, and so I do think that that when when we're talking about expanding the pool for Kevin Durant. He, there needs to be buy-in on his part. You're right. There is no obligation from the Nets front office to care about his buy-in. But if you're the team that's trading for Kevin Durant, you want that buy-in because if you don't have it, then you're probably not going to trade for Kevin Durant. You're not going to spend everything that it takes and mortgage your entire future for a player that you have no idea whether he wants to be there or not. So you need some sort of buy-in from him. And so when I think about this report, I'm wondering, is this Brooklyn's front? Is this kind of reading between the lines here? Is Brooklyn's front office now working with Kevin Durant a little bit to try to get him to expand that pool so that they can get the return that they've been looking for, which they have not been able to get from Phoenix or Miami so far. That's a possibility. Uh, there's a lot of unknowable there. I, I think you're still looking at f different things here. Like Brooklyn wants a return that makes them happy. And the teams that have made or will make KD likely most happy don't seem to have it, whether it's New Orleans right. or Phoenix or Miami or, Miami or Boston. So is it yeah. time to explore a three-team trade? Like, I don't even know how the logistics of it work necessarily, but I think that's kind of how it's shaking up, right? It's like Brooklyn has to get what they want. You have to get KD to where he wants to play. And then that third team, whether it's Miami, Phoenix, or anybody else, has to be able to yeah. send something comparable. So I, I just uh, – it, it's an interesting – I wonder if it's – Maybe it's a zero-team trade, David. Maybe Kevin Durant, at the end of the day, looks around and is like, maybe my best chance to win is here in Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving back on a contract year. Maybe Ben Simmons' returns and his back problems are behind not, him. And yeah, we added know. some nice... We brought back Patty Mills and Nick Claxton. You uh, add Royce O'Neal. I just... I don't know. I, I think if you're... Because you're right. It's... it's There's two... Brooklyn and Kevin Durant both want the same thing. And when you have these kinds... And, and which is to compete right now. And that's really hard to pull off. Like, that... I don't know that we've ever seen that in the NBA where a team trades a superstar and remains competitive. And, and that superstar gets traded to a team that gives up all the things that the superstar warrants in the deal. And then his new team is competitive in year one. Like even Kevin Durant's team with Kyrie Irving that he formed out of free agency. They just formed this Brooklyn Nets super team out of thin air. They were not competitive in year one in part because Kevin Durant was injured. And so yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I do wonder, like, does, is all of this going to heading in the direction of Kevin Durant just says, you know what, I'm just going to stay in Brooklyn. We'll continue debating that in the next segment because I think there's some other possibilities there uh, that involve a teammate of KD's and somebody that maybe Miami should look into acquiring. But before we do that, just a reminder that betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events on the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, eSports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Starting next Monday, August 1st, Join us as we rewatch the one that started it all, the 2006 NBA Finals. D-Wade, Shaq, Zoe, Pat Riley, bringing the first championship parade down Biscayne Boulevard. We'll break down every game, have exclusive interviews, and much more. So subscribe to the show on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Ah, this KD trade possibility <laughs> continues to run around circles. It's just intersecting at just the right I time. I can tell you're, you're, you're so sick of it. I, I just... 
it's so hard to, to figure it out because you've got all these unknowns and then you he, you have this yeah. Celtics thing that kind of just throws everything off kilter and yet at the same time it's like well it's already on the table and to me like if I'm Brooklyn let's, let's maybe look at it from that perspective right? I, I realize you could probably look at it you know go listen to locked on nets and you probably should but also just from their perspective like what does the Brooklyn yeah. front office want in exchange for Kevin Durant like we've got the superstar but we're clearly also going into rebuild mode. I don't think you can, you, you have to find a way to get rid of Kyrie Irving. I don't know how that happens. And we'll talk about that in the upcoming, th this segment here. But, you know, you're also looking at moving on from KD and trying to get something in return. The, the Rudy Gobert situation, like we keep saying they've set the bar. Uh, and, and yet I also don't think it's reachable. Like you're not getting that i don't think utah is getting that for donovan mitchell either like you're well getting... and and that that's a good point and everybody keeps pointing to the five first round picks but also you know what utah got back from a player perspective was just a bunch of nice ish role players like i you know yeah. jared vanderbilt's nice but we're, we're talking about other like when we're talking about brooklyn and, and the potential return for kevin durant I, I don't think we could start at the five first round picks and i do think this is worth pointing out and it's good by you because like it is a, it's not the, it's not the same thing. It's not the same comparison. You're, you're talking about including a guy like, whatever, Tyler Hero, Mikal Bridges, Jalen Brown, name the young player. That's way better than any player, any individual player that Minnesota got, yeah. or, or I'm sorry, that Utah got. And so, um, yeah, they needed the five first round picks. But what would Jalen Brown be worth on a, in a trade right now? Like first round picks, three. Three first-round picks, probably something like that. Yeah. Okay. So dock those three first-round picks from the return that Brooklyn's getting for Kevin Durant. It's Jalen Brown, maybe two first-round picks, Marcus Smart, Derek White, like whatever else you need to fill in the blanks with. But uh, the same goes for the Heat. Like, what's Tyler Hero worth? Two first-round picks, something like that. I don't know. Two unprotected picks. So dock those picks. And so Miami, can you trade Tyler Hero three first-round picks and some role players? Yeah. That's probably equal value to what the Gobert trade netted. Utah, it's just we're not talking about Gobert. We're still talking about Kevin Durant right now, and and so you gotta. That's the starting point if you want to match the Gobert stuff, but it's going to take a little bit more. And I don't know if I'm well, Brooklyn. I think Jalen Brown's nice, but am I winning a championship with Jalen Brown as my best player? I don't think so. Not anytime soon. No, uh, absolutely no. not. He's not your number one. However, it brings up an interesting question. Like if you're kind of low on Tyler Hero, and I don't think that this Heat front office is necessarily. Would you consider throwing Tyler and maybe a pick or two in exchange for Jalen Brown? Let's say a three-team trade where they send Brown to Brooklyn, but we send Miami sends something in exchange for Jalen Brown. Would that make Miami a better team on paper than if they have Tyler Hero on the roster? So Durant goes to Boston in this yes. situation, and Tyler Hero ends up in Brooklyn. Yes. Um, I I don't maybe I don't know, but like why would I still don't know why Brooklyn would do that if they really want a Tyler Hero that bad? Why get Boston involved in the first place? Because they can get more. They get Derek White. They get picks there. They they get oh, Miami. Yeah. So they get they wind up getting a total of like you know the pick swaps that everybody's like let, 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 the Boston proposed trade as it was laid out by Adrian Wojnarowski is Derek White, Jalen Brown, three first round picks and two potential pick swaps. So that's that's a pretty okay. substantial package for KD. Yeah. Not enough. Now you throw in two first round picks and Tyler hero and take out Jalen Brown from the equation. Cause he winds up in Miami. That seems like a pretty good net return there. So you're looking at, now it's a lot, it's a lot of draft picks. And I guess now we're just coming back down to what does Brooklyn want? Do they want a bunch of draft picks? Do they, how much do they value Tyler hero versus Jalen Brown and vice versa? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe um, I just, I don't see Miami making that kind of move. If they're not getting 
Durant or Donovan Mitchell or a superstar. And I and look, I like Jalen Brown. He's a really good player, but he's not that. He's not that. And so I just don't see the Heat doing all of that just to get Jalen Brown. Yeah, it does seem a little unlikely there. I'm just trying to think, uh, you know, how Miami can position themselves here to make improvements to their roster and not necessarily acquire KD or Mitchell. Because again, it seems more and more likely well, that each idea. of those. I'm sorry. I have an idea. Oh, we haven't talked about. Oh, well, let's hear it. If it looks like Kevin Durant is not coming to Miami, and it certainly looks like Donovan Mitchell is, it's a matter of when, not if, he ends up on the Knicks. Hmm. Then if you're the Heat and you're just sort of sitting here, is it time to call Brooklyn about Kyrie Irving? Because, again, if you're not in on KD and you're not in on Donovan Mitchell, I don't know what star is available outside of those three guys. And if you're Miami... There's not a whole lot of risk in Kyrie Irving, and that's saying a lot because, and first of all, I'll lay it out here, and I don't think it's a secret. I'm not a fan of Kyrie Irving. I I, I, I don't trust him to show up to work. I don't like how he handled the last few years, uh, you know, dating back to getting out of Cleveland and everything else. Hmm. Um, and I just, it's not anything about his politics or any of the weird stuff he says. It's just, I know that if I'm working with somebody that he's not a guy that I would want to work with because I don't know if he's showing up to work every single day. That said, he's in a contract year. He did not get the long-term extension that he was looking for this past summer, in part because Brooklyn does not trust him to show up to work. And so if you're Kyrie Irving, you're going to a contract year with a whole lot of incentive to show up to work, at least for a season. Because you know that next summer, you're up for a contract and you want to get the best contract possible. The The vaccination stuff is in the past now. It's not going to be an issue with Kyrie Irving. Um, so in that regard, it is pretty little risk. And if all it costs you, if you're the Heat, is... Kyle Lowry and maybe a first round pick because I don't think that he would have to include Bam. I don't think that they'd have to trade Tyler Hero because nobody, there's only one team in the league that wants Kyrie Irving and it's the Lakers and all they can offer is Russell Westbrook and a draft pick and they're reluctant to offer the draft picks. So if you just compare offers, yeah, if we're having to move Kyrie Irving and we're the Brooklyn Nets, give me Kyle Lowry and a first round pick every day of the week over having to deal with this Russell Westbrook situation where you're trading one problem for another. Kyle Lowry is far from a problem. And you're getting a nice draft pick out of it as well. So if you can get Kyrie, keep Tyler Hero, keep Bam Adebayo, and you only lose a first-round pick, then you're not mortgaging your future in the way that you would have to for even hypothetically KD or Donovan Mitchell. And and now, worst-case scenario, it doesn't. You, you you're out from Kyle Lowry's contract. Maybe it doesn't work out with Kyrie Irving, but you just let him walk after the year, and you don't lose anything. Best-case scenario is Kyrie Irving is awesome in a contract year. He solves all of the problems that we were talking about in regards to the half-court offense and everything that limited Miami from advancing past the Eastern Conference Finals. Kyrie Irving solves all of those problems. Checkmark, checkmark, checkmark. Um, you make the most out of Jimmy Butler's shortening window. Maybe you go ahead and win a championship with Kyrie Irving if he's one of the best 10 offensive players in the league like he can be when he's out there. Uh, and then you could still just let him walk away for nothing. If you don't trust him long-term for, for a, a large long-term lucrative salary, you could still just let him walk. You hire, you, you basically trade for him as an assassin, kind of do the whole Kawhi Toronto Raptors thing, right. say, okay, thanks for the memories, and you let him walk to some other f sucker that's going to pay him a whole lot of money over a whole bunch of years, and you still have Bam Adebayo, you still have Tyler Hero. You've made the most out of the Jimmy Butler window because now you've won a championship potentially. Guess, yep. Again, best-case scenario. And now you can start looking forward to the Bam Tyler Hero window because you have not mortgaged your future and you have made a most of the Jimmy Butler window. And everything everything after that is just gravy. Possibly. 
there are other things to consider because there's other relationships that might impact Miami's ability to pull that trade off. And I think we'll save that for the next segment because it's worth exploring. But just a reminder, you're listening to Locked on Heat. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. And just a reminder, you can always reach us via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskAllHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and, as always, leave a review. We're talking about Kyrie Irving as an emerging possibility for Miami if they lose out on Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant, both of which seem more and more likely with every passing day. And Irving is a possibility you floated the proposed or just theoretical trade package of Kyle Lowry and a right. pick. I don't know that that can happen. Like I, I understand you're going to have to get incredible, incredible buy-in from Jimmy Butler in order to pull yeah. that off. You have to have incredible buy-in from Jimmy Butler because of their closeness to that relationship between him and Kyle. Like I think you could possibly make an appeal to Kyle in the sense that you know, he's closer to his Philadelphia home, brings him together to family. But by and large, I think you just need Jimmy's approval and him authorizing this kind of a trade because he, he, you know, Lowry doesn't come to Miami without Jimmy and that friendship there. And I think Jimmy would absolutely still believes in Kyle and his ability to play. There's just a close friendship there. They just work well together on and off the court. So I, I just don't know that Jimmy prefers Kyrie Irving over one of his best friends in the NBA. And I know that there's a, a connection there. Like he's long said that he's approved of Kyrie Irving, that he likes his style of play and everything else. And, and maybe they could even find a way to get along and be harmonious and recognize, look, I need to win a title more than I need to keep my friendship with Kyle Lowry in Miami. But that just seems really, really unlikely. I just I just don't see it. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm having a hard maybe, time. Maybe. I don't. You're right. You have to get buy-in from Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Eric Spolstra and say, hey, with all the baggage that Kyrie Irving comes with, are you good with this for a year? And are you good with trading somebody like Kyle Lowry who um, carries so much admiration in that locker room and especially, like you said, with your star player, Jimmy Butler? Yeah, you have to get the star player to sign off on that. Absolutely. All, I did, all I'm doing in bringing up the Kyrie Irving thing is on paper it does make a lot of sense. Um, and again, it pains me to say that because I'm not a fan of Kyrie Irving's game. He really annoys me. Uh, but I, 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 but I, I also have to recognize that he could be the best option available for Miami um, if you're trying to make some sort of big kind of move. Now, does it and, does it make Miami substantially better? Like, I mean, we keep theorizing yes. this. Okay, you believe it does. Like, if we're talking about, and as we have in recent episodes, Tyler Hero continues to improve. Bam continues to improve. They make incremental leaps. You get a better in shape, more engaged Kyle Lowry that doesn't have the the issues that cropped up last season. And he's able to contribute at the level that he did or better throughout most of the regular season and in the playoffs where it matters most. And then considering what you're risking with Kyrie Irving, like, is that mm-hmm. worth the move there? And I'm not so sure that it is. Like, I, 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 I think the, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, there's no risk there because all you're doing is losing Kyle Lowry. And look, I really like Kyle Lowry. I do. Uh, but when you consider his age and his future with the team, there's not a whole lot of risk there. And, and the best case scenario is that Kyrie Irving does make you better because best version of Kyrie Irving who's fully engaged um, is a top 15 player and probably one of the best five offensive players in the league. And he, I think what he does from a spacing perspective, mm-hmm. from a ball handling perspective, I mean, I think the domino effect offensively is so great. And when you kind of put him on, an, on a team with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and uh, the, the, the great defenders that are on this team, 
I think he could be really useful. I think Kyrie Irving, when he's really trying, is actually a uh, just a you know an average defender at his spot at his position, which isn't bad. Um, but it's not yeah. as bad as people make it out to be. Right. Um, he is undersized. But yeah, I just the way I guess I'm looking at it is there's a zero percent chance that the Heat win the championship this year if they don't make a move. And if you if you do take a big swing and you trade Kyle Lowry for Kyrie Irving, I don't know that you have a really great chance of winning the championship, especially if we're talking yep. about in this scenario, Kevin Durant ends up on Boston or whatever. Yep. But I do think you have more of a chance if it all works out. Yeah, it could go up in flames. Kyrie Irving can <laughs> find another reason not to play, as he always does. Uh, if that's the case, you just say, all right, cool. Goodbye. You know, one year and it was it and didn't work out. See you later. We'll go, I, we'll go in another direction. I love it. I, I, I love it. Like, I know I'm completely alienating half of our listenership here. But I, I really enjoy that sort of dramatic. I know a lot of it might be artificial or contrived. And that's okay. Like, you know what? Stir the pot. I, I just finished reading uh, the Bill Russell autobiography. And, and there's never, never, no player has been so conflicting throughout NBA history as Bill Russell. Like, that, that guy, like, everybody identifies as a, as a winner. He was arrogant and happy and miserable and joyful all in the same breath. So why not bring in a player like that here on this roster? Having said all that, uh, I also think that there's a secondary move that we talked about here uh, when you had first mentioned Kyrie Irving, which is the possibility of trading for Miles Turner. So now we're looking mm -hmm. at a potential upgraded roster of Kyrie Irving. You keep Tyler Hero, you keep Jimmy Butler. You move Bam yeah. down to the four, and you've got Miles Turner at the five, and you wind up giving up less than you would have for Kevin Durant. Is that a better roster on paper than uh, this current version of the Heat roster? Yes, pretty clearly. Is it enough to compete with a Boston led by Kevin Durant? I think so. I think you've got the, the size advantage now. You've got depth. You did give up a whole heck of a lot. Again, I think it's a really – I mean, you're talking about – low-cost trades that upgrade you in, in positions of need. And, and I think that's the kind of moves that Pat Riley has historically made. Not just swinging for the fences, but also saying, you know what, I can get value deals done here and there and get the players that's what that Jimmy I Butler need. was, right? Yeah. That was a low-cost deal. It yeah. cost Josh Richardson a nice young player that everybody liked. But, yeah, yeah. it was a low-cost deal. And, and that nobody remembers and so now. I, right, exactly. And, uh, yeah, it does. Like If you're if you're not giving up the whole kit caboodle for, for Kevin Durant, then that means you have that whole all all those future picks and and the young things and all everything that we're talking about as far as the assets that they would use in a in a Durant deal you still have most of that stuff if you right. don't do the Durant deal and you do a Kyrie Irving deal and so maybe it costs you you know one first round pick for Kyrie Irving and one first round pick for Miles Turner or just or Harrison Barnes or John Collins or just name the other player that you could use to fill in as a fifth starter um, yeah maybe you can do make that sort of your quote unquote all in type of move. Because now you have all those picks that are still available to you, and you can unlock that other pick from Oklahoma City if you really wanted to do that. Um, you could still do that. So, uh, look, I'm just bringing it up. I, I, obviously, we have no idea how this Kevin Durant stuff is going to play out. Yeah. Uh, I think the Heat are okay with just sort of running it back with this roster, minus P.J. Tucker, and relying, as you say, on internal development from Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo and getting a more engaged and well-conditioned Kyle Lowry and all these things. I think they're going to be okay with that, too, if that's what happens. But... Uh, I do think that it's probably worth exploring the Kyrie option. And I can't believe I'm saying that. I never thought I would. <laughs> I think you'll come to appreciate the Irving experience. Well, maybe not. I, 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 every reporter that's covered him in Boston or Brooklyn is just like, oh, my God. I'm so, I am so frustrated not, trying not to fans. figure this out. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get it. 
at this you're, you're not going to get a good usable quote out of it, but just from the sheer spectacle and the the kind of the juice of not knowing what happens next that could be pretty exciting in its own way it, may, it makes our job a lot harder but uh I could just imagine waiting till 2 a.m. Yeah. to see get a post-game presser out of him, only for him to decide at the last second that he doesn't want to appear at all. So that, that, that won't be as much fun. So <laughs> I'll probably, I would take back my opinion pretty quickly then. But anyway, we'll, we'll keep you posted, as always, regarding any potential moves that the Miami Heat can make. Uh, as always, feel free to leave a comment and let us know if you agree with our possibility of acquiring Kyrie Irving or whether or not Miami is truly out of the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. We'll continue to talk about any offseason possibilities. And, of course, there's also our 2006 NBA Finals rewatch, so make sure you subscribe to the show and stay tuned for all that. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure to subscribe to Locked on NBA, your daily update in 30 minutes or less from all the news and notes around the NBA. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks so much for joining me, Wes. Wrap it up, B. 